The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The June 7th edition is brought to you by Orcas Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of June 7th, 2023. The Power of an Island Family. Improving Lighting, Improving Health. Draft Report of Shoreline Cumulative Effects Evaluation Available, plus choice excerpts from the Sheriff's Log. First, from the Island's Sounder, The Power of an Island Family, by Toby Cooper. The door opens, and Risha, a yellow pooch of undisclosed lineage, is the first to appear. She greets without fanfare, blocking all entry, demanding a pat on the head. No pause, no fuss, just a quiet stipulation that all visitors pay a toll at this door, a small fee in homage to the just and peaceful home of Christopher Evans, Rusty Diggs, and daughters Bella and Mona. Theirs is an indelible story of family, where love and trust win over adversity and fear. It all begins two decades ago, with Christopher and Rusty happily sharing a mutual ardor for permaculture and a spiritually guided value set. Quickly, though, their friendship morphed into a transformative romance, the kind that leads to calling home and changing plans. But no plans could have prepared them for the legacy of love, trust, community, and challenge that has become their story to tell. With their 2003 romance still young, Rusty perceived she was facing a crossroads in her life. She enrolled in a ten-day cycle of meditation. On day eight, she had the sobering epiphany that she was pregnant. But there is more. Upon hearing of her conviction, Christopher revealed he, too, had experienced a dream sequence with the same plot lines while she was away at meditation. Rejoicing, they began to reshape their vision of life going forward. Suddenly, there was the commitment of children, they recalled. So you start to formulate a plan. But some plans are only good for the day. They decided to celebrate over their favorite farm-fresh breakfast. Christopher broke the first egg into the pan, and, remarkably, it was a double yolk, he said. Then I cracked a second egg, and yikes, it was a double yolk, too. They looked at each other and spoke with one mind. Twins! And so it was. For Christopher and Rusty, events threatened to outpace their ability to cope. They desperately sought stability. Bartering and house-sitting, they moved three times in thirteen months, ultimately settling in East Sound. But then the twins, Bella and Mona, arrived eight weeks premature, tiny and precious at three pounds each, and an arbitrary birth trauma left Mona with severe developmental disabilities. It has been a spiritual path, Rusty remembers, recalling her reconciliation with the parent I thought I wanted to be compared to the parent I had to be. Birth stories are usually filled with positivity and joy, Christopher added. For us, it was filled with months of upheaval, which developed into a time of fearsome uncertainty. They were told one of the highest predictors of family breakdown is having twins, 
another is having a disabled child. The medical world delivered a dire prognosis for both children. All we heard was, you can't, they said. But rather than yield to despair, they purged the word can't from their vocabulary and put their trust in the family and friends who lifted us in that time of need. Still, the early years were filled with happiness, perhaps in part because the buoyant family believes in miracles. Rusty notes that the girls were born as Gemini twins on June 9, 2004, traumatically early, but on that exact date, Venus, the planet of love, was its closest to Earth in 200 years. And Christopher credits his mom, who was his inspiration growing up. I never knew I was lacking anything. She made everything fun. Because both Christopher and Rusty grew up with books, they never tired of reading to the girls. In those early days, we read to them for three hours every day, says Christopher. In fifth grade, Bella read War and Peace. Mona picked up the Odyssey and the Iliad. We didn't have a TV until they were twelve, he added. As Christopher spoke, Risha entered the group and made her rounds, extracting another toll of affection from each family member. Then, an improbable chicken, the color and texture of mocha chip ice cream, clambered up the outside stairs. This is house chicken, Rusty offered. The record for chicken longevity is 16 years. House chicken is 13. Bella picks up house chicken from the middle, like a cat. The bird flaps strenuously for a moment, then hunkers down and buries her head in the crook of Bella's arm, punctuating the cat-like meme. In seventh grade, I decided I wanted to go to Harvard, she said, raising a few eyebrows at the time, but when someone told her, kids from Orcus don't get into Harvard, the family never blinked. Rusty interjected, why would anyone say that? Bella persevered all through school, never losing sight of her dreams. This year, she was awarded a full scholarship to Syracuse, but declined when Harvard University offered the same, a first in the history of the Orcus schools. Facing her impending time away from Orcus, Bella says, It's time. I'm ready to go. Honestly, I feel secure in my path. Longer term, her plan includes law school, leading to a career as a defense attorney. Leaving Orcus will also be Bella's first separation from Mona, the twin with whom she shares a web of invisible bonds. Mona's disability cast Bella into the role of cultural liaison, helping Mona absorb lessons from the outside world. There was vicarious learning, said Rusty of the girl's early years. Mona was quiet. Bella never stopped talking. For her part, Mona is a force, soon to be on her way to Whitman College, a progressive school with unique accommodations for students with disabilities. Christopher will collaborate as the primary caregiver as his daughter navigates the complex challenges of college life. With Mona, a more willing and deserving recipient could not be found. She absorbs everything in the world around her, loves history, quotes Greek and Roman mythology, and wants to write about it all. With Bella in faraway Boston and Christopher and Mona in Walla Walla, 
Rusty looks forward to time with her guitars and learning piano. This captivating story of a peaceful Orcus family, Christopher, Rusty, Bella, and Mona, does not end here. More will emerge from the corners of the nation. In the meantime, they all feel a debt of gratitude for the Orcus school system, for Opal, and for Christopher's mom, who made everything fun. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, Improving Lighting, Improving Health, by Luca Pignatello. Each year, the juniors of Friday Harbor High School take part in a community project, something that gives back to people and makes a difference in someone's life in the community. This year, juniors Becca Bryant and Gavin Alexander have made it their mission to improve the health of all the students and teachers by trying to improve the lighting in classrooms by putting it through blue light filters. The harsh amounts of blue light that these teachers and students get each day are detrimental to their health. The fluorescent lights at the school are causing severe headaches and even migraines to those under the lights every day when they emit a high concentration of blue light. Bryant and Alexander are stepping forward and putting their foot down on what they have found negatively affects the health of those around them and themselves. The blue light from the overhead lights all around the school could cause headaches and migraines. Blue light also stops your body from producing melatonin, so you can sleep, which in turn disrupts your circadian rhythm, and the intense rays are harmful to our eyes in general. Blocking out the blue light would, as Bryant and Alexander said, increase the productivity in the classroom and help with your sleep schedule. Bryant and Alexander started this community project at the beginning of the second semester and really started to get a grasp of the situation after they both experienced headaches and Bryant migraines due to the blue light. They also wondered how the people in their class with light sensitivity felt. So together they talked with both their classmates and teachers and learned that they were not the only ones affected negatively by the lighting. Their mentor for the project was one of the teachers who had gotten migraines and actually bought and used blue light filters in their classroom. Bryant explained that two teachers already have independently bought them and are using them in the classroom, since blue light can decrease the focus students have on their schoolwork. Though Alexander and Bryant are working hard to cover every fluorescent light in the school, as they said, the Classrooms are the priority, though having them everywhere is a hope for the future. Their goal was to raise enough money to purchase blue light filters for every classroom in the school, using Donors Choose on Amazon. Using posters and online promotions, the two juniors made almost half of their goal before deciding to go out into the community and try to raise more money by talking with people about their cause. As Bryant said, they were trying to set up at the farmer's market to really get immersed in the center of the community and put their project out there for people to support. Going out and taking a more hands-on approach worked out for Alexander and Brian, and on Saturday, May 20th, they reached their goal of $800 so they finally could purchase the filters and stop the negative effect of the blue light before the new school year starts. From the Islands Weekly, 
Draft Report of Shoreline Cumulative Effects Evaluation Available San Juan County is conducting a cumulative effects evaluation of its shorelines for the Department of Ecology. A virtual public meeting to review the draft report is scheduled for Wednesday, June 7th from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. Find meeting information, review the draft report, and provide feedback at sanjuanco.com backslash 1971 backslash shoreline-cumulative-effects-evaluation. What are shoreline cumulative effects? Shoreline cumulative effects are changes in coastal health resulting from human development activities across a region. Development activity on a single property, clearing trees, constructing a boat ramp, etc., may have localized effects that alter coastal habitat quality near that property. When many properties within a reach of the shoreline are altered or developed, the cumulative effects of those actions on nearshore habitat health are greater than the impacts from altering a single property. Why does San Juan County track shoreline cumulative effects? San Juan County has an obligation to protect the health and beauty of its shorelines for current and future generations. The study will be conducted every four years. By tracking and evaluating cumulative effects, San Juan County can identify opportunities to improve its existing shoreline development code. What does this mean? The Cumulative Effects Evaluation is a scientific study of the relationship between permitted development and coastal ecosystem health. If you are a shoreline property owner, county staff or representatives may ask to access your coastal property in order to observe current conditions and evaluate habitat health during future iterations of this study. Property owners will have opportunities to give feedback on proposed changes to development codes and permitting processes. We'd like to hear more about your experience with the permitting process. What if my property isn't up to code? This study is not tied to code enforcement. Documenting and or taking punitive action against code non-compliant development is not within the scope of this study. If I participate in the study, will my permit requirements change? No retroactive changes can be made to existing issued permits based on the results of the study. And now, select excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On May 24th, a Lopez deputy responded when a person reported hearing a loud crashing noise near Hooterville Lane. An investigation found that a construction crew was working in the area. On May 25th, an Orcas deputy responded to a single-vehicle rollover accident due to distracted driving. The driver walked away with minor scratches. The witness said they were not speeding and that the shoulder grabbed the vehicle and pulled it into the ditch where it flipped and rolled. On a potentially unrelated side, the Island Digest would like to remind its listeners not to text while driving. On May 26th, a deputy on Lopez was dispatched to a likely 911 misdial from a passing boat. The boat was not located.
On San Juan, the sheriff's office responded to a report of clothing and garbage left on private property. There are no investigative leads or suspects at this time. A deputy on Orcas spoke with a citizen who wanted to report a possible residential burglary. Neither the individual nor the deputy had the legal authority to be at that residence. The homeowner had not reported any burglary. A Lopez deputy responded when an individual living near a waterfront restaurant witnessed a patron moon his friends as they boated by. The suspected flasher was gone by the time the deputy arrived. On May 30th, a vehicle was issued a parking ticket at the Lopez Ferry Terminal. The vehicle's owner frequently disregards the clearly posted parallel parking only sign, which limits access to the parking lot entrance for other drivers. I'm sure a few Lopezians will be very pleased. A deputy on San Juan received a report of a lawnmower theft. The case is still under investigation as the deputy obtained a video of the incident. Deputies on San Juan responded to a citizen dispute. Neighbors got into an argument and the reporting party wanted to be left alone. It was learned that the reporting party had active warrants for their arrest and they were arrested on those warrants and booked into jail, where hopefully they were left alone. A Lopez deputy responded to a report of a vehicle intentionally blocking McKay Harbor Road. The driver refused to move and was heavily intoxicated. They were arrested for assault, disorderly conduct, and negligent driving. And this concludes the June 7th edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by, you guessed it, Orcas Center. Orcas Center is your place for fun and intrigue this spring and summer with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcascenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest, a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks again for listening, and come back next week for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.